CBS News can now project that Donald Trump will win the Iowa caucuses, the first contest in the 2024 Republican presidential race. Ron you might want to stop flying. The FAA is actively recruiting workers who suffer severe intellectual disabilities and psychiatric problems under the FAA's Diversity and Inclusion Hiring Initiative. They're also targeting those with disabilities in hearing and vision. Look at the positive. If the pilots can't see the mountain or hear the people screaming, they're going to stay a lot more calm. Plus, how awesome will it be if the pilots can still hear voices even when the radio's off? Coach, uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't, um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, that's the uh, that's the media that we deal with. Welcome to Wednesday. How are you? I'm good. How are you, man? You look uh, cold. It's fucking freezing in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this um office it's 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 not real good in the dead of summer or the dead of winter. That's for sure because it's it doesn't have any of like the in it's it's like an add on to my house. Yeah, and it was built before I got before I bought the house and. Yeah, they didn't think that like heating or cooling was important in this room. I, I see. You, I see. You got the video from uh, my outside my place. Yeah. And, well, I, yeah. I, I figured if if I gotta be cold, everybody else has to <laughs> has to see what I feel. <laughs> let me tell you. Last night, my uh, in this house, it gets very warm or very cold. One of the two. Okay. And especially upstairs, it gets very hot. Right. Done. And so you know, normally I have the heat set pretty pretty toasty, seventy one two, you know, maybe around there. Okay. Nice. <laughs> you two look cool. What's up, Greg? How are you doing? 
Um, so <laughs> I, I turned the heat off for her last night because she was way hot upstairs. And I was like, all right, it's pretty toasty in this house before I went to bed. And I was like, I'll turn the heat off. So she's not dying upstairs and melting. I know she had sure. to pay off from school. And she's going to sleep in. And so, you know, we'll just keep the heat off. And yeah, I, I wake up like in the middle of the night. I had to go to the bathroom, obviously, because it goes like 19 times a night. And with one leg, you got to get into, you know, out of bed into a wheelchair. Right. And wheel myself into the facilities and go to the bathroom. I got into the wheelchair. It, was, it had to be like 2 o'clock in the morning when I first woke up. Right. And it wasn't too bad. When I got on the wheelchair at 4 o'clock in the morning when I next woke up to go to the bathroom, the wheels were stuck cold. Oh, wow. It was so cold in the house. I went and I checked the temperature and on the thermostat. And inside the house, it was 45 degrees. Jesus, what happened? I had turned the heat off before we went to bed. Oh, you turned it all the way off. I turned it all the way off. <laughs> because I figured, okay, you know, it's a house. It'll stay at least somewhat warm in here until, you know, the morning time. No. It was 45 degrees when I woke up at like 4 o'clock in the morning to go oh. to the bathroom. And, and what's worse than getting out from a warm blanket to 40 yeah. degrees? Oh, my God. And so, you know... Now I can't really reach the thermostat from sitting in the porch. Right. And I can't see it, like, you know, because I can't, I'm not standing, so I can't see what the screen says or anything like that. And so now I, I was just stuck. And so then I ended up putting like three sweatshirts on, <laughs> climbing back <laughs> into bed, and hoping and praying like the tortoise is going to be okay and the pets are going to be all right by, you know, the time 6 30 rolled around and I got up for, for work. But it was cold, man. It was way cold. Well, it's cold. I mean, dude, when I got up this morning, it was, I think, four degrees. That's, that's what it said anyway. That's what uh, Google Nest told me. Is, uh, the Google Nest actually said, dress warm. It's four degrees. <laughs> like, okay. And it wasn't lying. Man, I, I've been in this room several times today. I did three interviews with bands before coming to, before doing this. So I've been in and out of this room. And usually... If I have a busy day like that, I'll just sort of stay in here and do some work and whatever. Not today, man. It was like, okay, okay, musician guy, see you later. Getting the fuck out of here because it's cold, man. <laughs> just turn the heat down at night. Okay, look, I, I can adjust the satellite in space, you know, <laughs> using a rack and radio station. I can run, for the most part, know how to run live broadcast wherever we go and all that kind of thing. Right. I can't figure out this thermostat to save, save my life, man. Like, I try to turn it on, and then, like, it says press hold. There is no hold button, but I hold the button next to where it says hold, and it doesn't seem to hold shit. <laughs> so I set it at a certain temperature, and it's never the right temperature. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. You're probably not doing anything wrong. Those A lot of those little thermostats, especially newer ones, which I'm assuming that is in that house, Yeah. Uh, it might just have a dead battery in it. Which is just like a watch battery. Well, I don't know, but I mean, it seems to, the light goes on, and I'll set it to like 72, right? Mm -hmm. And then I go and check it, because I'm like, man, I'm burning up in here. What the hell is going on? And I go, and it says it's 78 inside the house. <laughs> Supposedly set it at 72. No idea what that is doing. You got it set at like 102. <laughs> Ridiculous. And so, like, right now, 
it was on when I got home. He was on. Right. And uh, I was still kind of cold downstairs, but I came up you know, to do the show, and it's 4 million degrees in this office. <laughs> well, send some of it this way, because it's 4 degrees in this one. <laughs> it's definitely cold on this side, but holy smokes. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Get a thermostat that works on an app. So. Yeah, there's that, too. Which All yours right. probably is new enough to do. Look, I'm not getting a new thermostat. No, the one you have, I bet you. House. I'm willing to bet you the one that you have probably has an app that you could connect to it with. I don't think so. It doesn't look that new. It's a brand new house, isn't it? No, it's a, this this development has been around since the '80s. Oh, I thought they built that house. No, no, this okay. house has been around for for a while. Okay. So, what would I have to do to do that? Would I have to rewire everything? What to switch out a thermostat? Yeah. Not usually. Usually you just unplug and plug in. And then as far as having an app to it, you would just connect it to your Wi-Fi. You know, it would just have a little button that says find the Wi-Fi and find the network. You plug in the password and be connected to it. And then you'd have an app on your phone and you could literally say. Well, that would be nice. Yeah, that's probably 50 bucks. Really? Yeah, it can't be that expensive. That two-wheeled warrior, I'm good. Just went for a bike ride. Now, if you don't know two-wheeled warrior, Greg Mack works at the Fish. He's been on the show. And, and yeah, he has been on the show. And, but I'm, the audience may not know everybody. But he bikes everywhere, like everywhere. It doesn't matter what time of day. It doesn't matter right. what you know, the temperature is outside. It's literally like two outside, and he's biking around. Right. Bravo to him. <laughs> he said some very kind words to me on, on Facebook, much like you did. He commented on, actually shared your post, and then, uh, you know, said something as well. And yeah, uh, I told him that I'd have to go for a, a ride with him one day. And then, you know, I realized that I'm not going to bike anywhere. <laughs> not Come a on. shot of that ever again in my life. It, there wasn't a shot before I lost a leg. Um, but so I told him I'll drive next to him one day while he's biking to work. Gee, what a trooper you are! <laughs> Why don't you get an Uber and just say, "Here, follow that bike, okay?" Look, man, it's tough enough for me to sit. I fell out of my chair today at work. You think I'm going <laughs> to bike somewhere? I literally yes. fell out of my chair. Look, it's, it's so embarrassing too, because Lenny George is there. He's a nice, great guy, older gentleman, but he's super cool, super nice guy. Right now. So I'm sitting there, and, like, I had something to eat. I had my lunch before, you know, I left, and my lunch consists of this tiny little frozen chicken pita thing, mm-hmm. which is, like, two bites, and it's gone. And then I ate some, you know, some cheese curl, cheese puffs kind of things. Okay. And so I decided I'm going <laughs> to have these cheese puffs, when, like I always do. Like, here around the house when I eat them, I find them inside my sleeve after I'm done eating. Right. Like I drop them all over the place. I literally, they were in my sweatshirt pocket. I don't know how they get where they get, but they just end up all over the place. Sure. They end up under my bed. They end up in, you know, one ended up in like in the grate of the heater. I mean, they're, they're all over. The place. Okay. <laughs> and, but here at least I have a dog and a cat to roam around and eat the shit. But at work, I, I don't. And I didn't realize that I dropped a couple because, of course, they're, they just drop everywhere. And I went to pick them up. Well, now with the leg the way that it is, I can't bend sure. like I normally would be able to bend. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm trying my best to get these damn cheese puffs off the damn floor. And, of course, the leg goes sliding right out from underneath me. And I go tumbling to the ground right in front of Lenny like a dick. And then I'm just sitting there on the floor now picking up. Then, of course, I fell onto the cheese puffs. So they shattered. And now there's cheese puff crumbs. All cheese dust. <laughs> and so I'm trying to pick up cheese dust and, and put it in my hand while I'm laying on the damn ground and trying to get into the garbage can. And he's like, do you need to help up? And I was like, no. Like, a little sore, but my ego is more bruised than anything. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I feel like an asshole because I can't even sit in a chair right. Ah, I wouldn't even sweat it, dude. So where you, at least you tried to pick the stuff up. If I had I your did. condition, if I had your leg or your didn't have your leg, more to the point, I'd be like, hey, can you get those cheese puffs off the ground? <laughs> <laughs> I would take full advantage and say, yeah, I, I can't get that. Can you get that for me? <laughs> we get you a hand bike. You'll have arms like Schwarzenegger in no time. There you go. See? That's what xvideos.com is for. Yeah. To give me the arms of Schwarzenegger. At least one. Or one. <laughs> You'll be dry, riding around in circles on that bike. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Rick wants an asparagus update. And I do okay. actually have an asparagus update. Okay. I think that I was at least the night of eating the asparagus. Mm-hmm. Maybe backed up or something. Okay. Because I didn't feel much. I mean, really, it wasn't too terrible. Sure. I didn't like it. I liked it better with the bacon and the ranch. I couldn't tell. But, yeah, the next, like, two days or two or three days after that, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I started getting a sharp intestinal pain. And, like, I could not stop shitting. Well, with the gas, okay. more or less was really really bad like horrible and then i yeah had some issues with the going to the bathroom thing and it was pretty rough man and and so i'm i i'm attributing either i had the flu or i'm attributing that to the asparagus one of the two couldn't have nothing to do with cheese puffs could it i think cheese puffs would back you up right like those things yeah they would of course they would you said you were backed up but i think that the asparagus helped clean everything out oh okay well then that's a good thing it was on a time delay, if you will. All right. Your system was probably so shocked to have something that was actually healthy hit it. It didn't know what to do. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Surely nothing to do with the greasy bacon and three cups of ranch. There you go. Yeah. I was, was going to say, that might have made your stomach a little upset. Look, that's no. That's like a daily diet. My ranch <laughs> never affects me in that kind of way. Yeah. I'm sure your body just didn't don't know what to do with those veggies. I'm sure that's what it was. Like, and I'm not saying anything. Like, I won't even mention the restaurant, but I've gone to a couple of nice restaurants with Triv at times. Mm-hmm. Sure. And a few different places. And every time that I've left the fine dining establishments, mm-hmm. I don't even make it home. I'm at a sheet somewhere <laughs> next to death, like crawling into the underneath the stall door trying to get somewhere to go because fine dining and fine food does not sit well with this body. Do you eat steak every time? No. Okay. Cause I, I know I've, as I've gotten older, have started finding steak messes up my stomach. It hasn't stopped me from eating it at all, but I, I just deal with the not feeling good after because I love steak, but I can't eat it like I used to. 
I just can't. Yes, I'm telling you, it is. It was a shock to my body to get vegetables. <laughs> well, get more in there. It's good for you. Like Greg again. He makes his own tortilla chips, right? Okay. They're like nice. They're spicy. They're good. I tasted the tortilla chip, but then he had like a guacamole dip that he made and brought it in. You think I'm going to eat that while I'm at work? Forget about it. You think a thing of asparagus made me go to the bathroom? If I eat some guacamole or some crap like that, I, I'm gonna—I'll be—I'll miss my entire shift. I'm not gonna be able to do Bob's show. <laughs> you are so funny with the food. Anything green, man, I'm telling you, will destroy my insides. You psyched yourself out because you Oop. psyched yourself out with the asparagus too, and it wasn't as bad as you thought it was gonna be. Taste-wise, but it hit me a couple days later. You thought you were gonna be mainlining poison. Like, I can't think of anything green that I actually can ingest and digest. Not even iceberg lettuce? Iceberg lettuce is fine. But I never eat, like, the green leafy parts on the outside because people pee on that. So, like, I dig right into the middle of it <laughs> and, and get, like, the, the light, light green lettuce. So it's right. barely green, the parts that well, I eat. You got you to gotta train yourself, man. Train yourself. Eat, eat some green beans. Eat some lima beans. Eat some different stuff. Yeah. No. Force it. Force it to happen. So I got news this week, dude. All right. I don't know if you saw this or not, but um, I eat green and MMs. I do that. There you go. Perfect. So what's your news? I got asked to speak next week for a um at a college or for a college. I'm not going there. For a college in, in England. Really? Yeah, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, I'm going to be giving a little speech for the um, University of East Anglia in the United Kingdom, speaking to their um, about to their what Burns <laughs> Burns really? stuff. Yeah, they um, somebody that's like a nurse or something at, at the hospital that's on the, that's on site there and is um, saw something that I wrote and checked out my book and reached out and asked if I would do like a 20 minute talk and then take questions from their, um, I guess they're nursing students, you know, so I'll be, that's um, awesome. I'll be, uh, I'll be, uh, Mr. Aiken, famous writer next week. <laughs> See, now that's very cool though. I mean, like I would love to give like some sort of an inspirational speech. Well, I don't see why you couldn't. I don't see because why you couldn't our... write the inspirational book. I would love to try, but the only thing that inspiration I'm going to say is like, make sure your thermostat is up so your wheelchair wheels don't get stuck in the middle of the night. I'm going to tell you, dude, and this is the God's honest truth, and I'm not trying to sell my book, which is call me Chris over there at Amazon.com if you want to buy it. But you should put but, it up on screen. Yeah, I could actually, but um, um, the thing is, with with what we, me and you, different stuff, but sort of the same at the same time. What we've been through is kind of universal. It's it's individual because we 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 have an individual situation, but getting through major trauma is universal, and everybody, everybody, I don't care who they are, has been through some sort of fairly major trauma, or knows somebody who has, or knows somebody that has, and it could be anything. It could be a car accident. It could be. A loved one dying from cancer. It could be them getting cancer. It could be losing a limb. It could be me getting fried, you know, getting literally cooked. It could be, you know, whatever it is. And 
you know, we all kind of say the same thing. We never knew anybody that had it before it happened, right? Yeah. I'm sure that's what you, that was one of your probably first thoughts when you were trying to wrap your head around it was, I don't know anybody that's been through anything serious. Yes. And not to pat myself on the back because I'm not, but when I started talking to you again, I talked to you from a place that no other person in your life was talking to you from because I had been through something very, very, very similar as far as being able to relate to what was going on in your head, not on, you know, not on your, not under your kneecap. You have no idea how true of a statement that is because when we started talking, that's one of the things that, you know, I, I said to you the other night is that you were an inspiration to me because I had no idea how to handle some of the thoughts and some of the things that I was going through. Right. And until I talked to you and realized how much stuff you had gone through also and realized that look where you are and that I could, I could get there. Well, yeah. And, and you have, I mean, that's, you know, and, and for people that don't know, I, I just wrote a little thing and it was not really even planned. It was just kind of a random thought that I had. So I just scribbled something out real quick about how Seth last was that Monday, Monday on the show talking about getting his job. That was like kind of like almost like the first finish line, you know, from uh, I'll tell this story. I don't think we've talked about it on the air, but there was a day that me, you and Chiselka were at a, Applebee's or no BW3 or something Quaker steak and lube having some lunch talking about you know putting the show together and putting it online and it was the day I told Mike to lose the suit I remember that (laughs) I was still in a wheelchair then you were still in a wheelchair and you still hated everything about the world you were absolutely like there's no way this is not going to work my my life's over blah 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 all this stuff and I, and I remember distinctly telling you a year from now, you won't feel this way. And you were like, fuck dad. It's not going to be like, it's going to be like this forever, but you know, and I was like, yeah. I've been there. I was like, I have been right there and I'm telling you it gets better and it does. And it's different. And you, you definitely, you know, and this is the kind of stuff that you can't explain to people that have not gone through something super, super major your brain changes how you look at everything changes i'm sure for you when you look at uh, just basic shit when you look at at tv and you see nick chubb losing his leg to to the football game you're probably like oh you pussy is that it yeah, it's kind of true. You know, I, I mean, that's... Eric, look, Dick, in a couple of weeks, you're going to be walking again. Yeah, where you're like, yeah, step into my shoes, millionaire, you know, or shoe. You know, shoe. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's, but that's, it is, a, it's a, it's a brain change. And it, and it's about everything. And, but the one thing that I, I personally found, especially when I wrote my book, was that I was amazed at how many people just needed to hear somebody else say it. You know, I, I, dude, I have gotten thousands of emails, literal number thousands 
since I put Call Me Chris out. And it's always the same thing. I was thinking the same as you. I didn't have anybody to talk to. Nobody could help me. Everybody said the wrong things to me. Does any of that ring true to you like a year ago? Absolutely. You know, and I, I am so, in a way, thankful for my accident. In a lot of ways, I'm thankful for it. Not in the 14 months of pain, but um, certainly um, I, I would have never been productive. I would have never done the things that I've done. And I would have never been able to write a book like this. I mean, that book is like real raw. And I don't know if you saw it even on Facebook, but anytime I post anything about the book, I get a litany of people from all over the place. They're like, this is the best book I've ever read, read in my life. And I am so humbled by that because I'm not a writer. I mean, I have six books, but I still don't look at myself as a writer in the scope of what I do. That's very low on the list. And for anybody to think it's the best of anything is, is truly amazing. And the fact that I've helped thousands of people by telling my story and telling it raw and admitting some stuff I wish that hadn't happened. And, you know, that moves people, man. And you don't give yourself enough credit for how much your story will move people that maybe they're not, you know, it's weird because things that make other people almost suicidal or not almost, but absolutely suicidal are less than you've been through. And they're less than I've been through, but it, it, it showcases the strength. We showcase the strength. And a lot of times, if you talk to the right person, they can take that message and they can say, well, if he could do it and he lost a leg or if he can do it and he was, you know, he lost 70% of his fucking skin. I can certainly get through a financial crisis or, uh, you know, lost loved one or whatever, you know, I, and, and again, it's hard to assess one problem to the other, Yeah. but I really truly believe that even just the fact that we talk about this stuff sort of often, not too often, but sort of often here on, on this show, I think it probably has helped. I guarantee it's helped somebody and I guarantee you it probably subconsciously has helped more people than less. And there are a lot of things that you're right with everything that you said, but um, there's a lot of things that are tough to admit. And there's a lot of things that are embarrassing about what happens to you when you're in the situations that you're in. I mean, and you're right that there's a lot of people that they say maybe not the things you want to hear because they don't really know what it's like. Yeah. Even my poor wife. I mean, she sees me on a day-to-day basis, but she doesn't understand what's going on up there sometimes. Sure. When you are dealing with different things. And I mean, some of the, I'll, I'll say dude, some of the shit that happened, like when I was in the hospital, there's stuff that I don't even want to think about ever happening to me again. Oh, I mean, yeah. Embarrassing things, horrible things, things that mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to dream about happening again. Sure. Because it's just, it's not good. And those are the things you live with on a day-to-day basis. And I'll tell you what, man. And, you know, after that conversation at, at Quaker State, I, I mean, I believed you, but you, you still sit back and go, when is it going to happen? Yeah, okay. And, and there were some dark times sitting mm-hmm. in this very office 
looking for jobs or looking for, you know, you know, like on Google, what's going to happen to me next or what, you know, what sure. else can happen and how to And you always look up the worst shit too. Oh yeah. Am I going to get lesions on this leg where, you know, shit like that. You're, yeah. you, you know, I, I did that all the time. Like I would get just like the littlest pain that I hadn't felt before. And I'm Googling the worst. Does pain in my in my ankle mean that I'm dying from burns? You know, shit like that. I did that like crazy, man. And your your head goes into dark places. <laughs> yeah. And you don't sometimes see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-mm. But if you don't keep going, what what's the alternative? And yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm telling I you know it, it sounds so stupid sometimes to say these kind of things, and I don't want to sound like I want to have sex with you and stuff. But like, <laughs> you were not only an inspiration to me, but there were a lot of times where I just thought about some of the things you said. Where I was like, "All right, dude, you just got to hang in there, or you got to do this." And yeah, as you know, I overanalyze everything. everything. Right. You know, when it came to Chiselka, and you know the, the the discontent that there was between the both of us doing the mm-hmm. show. Sure. And how long did it take me before I finally said, "All right." Yeah, I've done. Had it. Right. I've, I've had yeah. enough, and I mean, so I overanalyze everything. So I always thought though about what you had said, and and I, you know, thank God that I'm still around to to talk about it. Sure, so I'm happy for you that you're doing that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a great thing, and you know, Do they pay for that. Okay, I don't even know. I I I didn't I don't ask. Even ask you. They just ask you to do it. Yeah, they just hit me up on Facebook and. You know, the, the lady hit me up on Facebook with this big, long email, and it was like, or a message, and it was like this whole, you know, I see, I, I checked out your, your page, and I see how busy you are, and you probably don't have the time, and but, you know, it was like a whole, it was like, she gave me the whole list of reasons I, sh- I couldn't do it <laughs> before I ever answered, and I have to get up early, and compa- let me say this the right way. In Chris' time, I have to get up early. <laughs> In most of you's time, you'll be like, oh, big deal, pussy. You know, I, I have to be up and ready to do this at 7.30 in the morning, which is which is a little early for me. I'm usually about 9 o'clock guy. But um, th- she just asked me, and, and, and then I said, sure, you know, just tell me what I got to do and, you know, how I connect to you or whatever, and... She sent it over to me and she sent uh, a little, uh, you know, syllabus and some ideas of, you know, they want me to write a little like 200, 300 word thing, you know, to kind of introduce who I am and whatnot, which, wow, two, 300 words. I wonder if I can do that. But, um, you know, it, it just was, it, it, it went pretty easy as far as getting it scheduled. And I don't think she was ready for it because I just answered right back and said, sure, you know whatever you know i'm always willing it's one of those things that i look at and and i know you know this but the rest of the world may not i will always do stuff to give back in this arena just like when i gave the books to the burn people when they came on with you and mike yeah i i couldn't put my hand up quick enough to give something back to that because i truly love and respect what those people did for me and this is another thing this is a group of people that will be doing the same thing that i respect for the next guy that you know gets caught in a house fire or 
gets blown up at a steel plant or whatever, you know, and I want them to be good. And I want them to understand the other side of it, where it's not just a meat market that they come in and slice this and stitch that and move on to the next person. You know, I want them to see that. So yeah, it, it really came together pretty quick and pretty easy. And I'm always willing to talk about this stuff. I, this is the fifth or sixth one of these that I've done. Not not this, but uh, you know, I've spoken at I've spoken at Hiram College a couple of times, and I've That's spoken cool. at um, a burn a burn thing in Arizona. And you know, I I always if I'm asked, I do it. You know, without even a thought. I I would do I, that. I, I would do that too. Well, but I mean, dude, regardless of the speaking thing, I mean, that's fun and whatever. You've got a message to tell. And that's my point to you is you don't think you do. And just like I said in the little thing that I wrote on Facebook, a year ago, you lost every or two years ago, you lost damn near like literally everything, everything, your ability to function, your ability to take care of your family, your friend, your mentor, your you know, your job all at once. You talk about having to reinvent in a hurry. That's it. That's re- not only did you have to reinvent in a hurry, but your, your fucking mentor in life, you couldn't even bounce off to help you. Cause let's face it. Let's, let's take Triv dying out of the, out of the message here. Let's just take Triv. Let's say Triv was still alive, but everything else happened to you. Lost your gig, lost your leg. Triv would have been by your side to help you through it. Oh, absolutely. Yes? Oh, without a doubt. And that would have sped up the process how much to have that guy be in your supporter. Probably would have been a lot, no doubt. Yeah, and, and but you lost that piece too. You literally lost – you had your world turned upside down and you lost the support system as well. What was cool, though, is that I did have – Again, a friend like you who is there, and then you know, mm-hmm. like Sandy and Jim were absolutely there, and they were friends with Triv, and so we, sure. you know, they were definitely going through a lot. And the fact that they were there to, to help me through a lot of stuff was fantastic. Also, I mean, sure. believe me, if it wasn't for those two, that first getting out of the hospital and and months later, we would have been living on, on the street somewhere, <laughs> or with uh, Heather's mom because they they went out of their way to. To sure. do a lot of great things, and well, you find I was lucky. I did have, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, I was lucky to have a, a support system. But you're right. I mean, losing Triv. I mean, that guy. One, I don't think they would have fired me if it was. If he was well, maybe around. not. But even I'm just saying, and, even if they did, yeah, he probably would have done whatever he had to do to take care of you. Yes. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately, that wasn't the card that you were dealt. Instead, you were dealt harder cards, and you know what? Just like. Just like anybody else that wins at poker, you play the hard hand and eventually you win. Right. <laughs> and then there's Rick. Rick, I, I swear to God, man, I see this poor guy. Every post is like him going to the hospital again. And like, I just want this guy to feel all right. <laughs> yeah, come on, Rick. Eat some asparagus. Make you feel better. Yeah, I don't think he's. <laughs> I've met Rick. He ain't eating a whole bunch of asparagus. Likes to make fun of me, but I'm telling you. <laughs> I remember, though, uh, at the hospital one day, I was there for yeah. therapy. I was going downstairs, and it was the same ramp that I had to go down and stuff when I was 
in there for therapy and like sure. staying in the, that hospital. I was there like nonstop. Right. And I was there going down up the same ramp that I had wheeled in and now I was walking up it. Right. And there was another guy who was a big dude, just like me. And his right leg was missing just like me. And he was struggling so hard to get up that hill of this ramp in the, sure. in the bottom of the hospital. And I remember just standing next to him and walking next to him with my fake leg and telling him, dude, just keep going. You're going to yeah. get to the top of this ramp. I'm telling you, and you're going to be just fine. Yeah. And yeah. I remember, you know, he shook my hand before I left. And it was that 30 seconds of me just walking next to him as he was wheeling up that ramp. And I didn't push him. Mm. I let him get his ass up there and yeah. shaking his hand before I left. And But I still remember that guy. Of course. I don't know where he's at now. I hope he's doing good. Yeah, dude, we all have that, too. We have – I – I, I spent most of my hospital time at Metro. Well, I spent all my hospital time at Metro, but I spent the good portion of the recovery and the, you know, occupational therapy and all that at Metro. Metro out there on, what is that, West 25th or whatever, wherever yeah. it is. Oh, yeah, that's right. West whatever. West whatever it is. I honestly don't know the address of it. I know how to get there, but I don't know the address because yeah, I never had to look it. Yeah. So, but where... I was like, there's the main hospital and then you have to cross just a little street. And that's, and on the other side of the street is a, um, occupational therapy building where they do all the occupational therapy. Oh, I've been there too. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I know exactly so, where you're at, <laughs> dude. I remember one of the first, I was determined that I was going to do this by myself. And like, I wasn't supposed to be driving or anything. And I was driving. I only had one hand that worked barely. I, my other arm, I hadn't, I, I had, I was like three surgeries away from my arm, even coming off of my, off of my chest because the grafts had sealed down. So I couldn't lift my arm. You know, I mean, it was a, I was a mess, but I'm still driving to the place. Right. So I drive over to Metro and I get in there. I can't walk. 15 steps before I run out of juice. You know, I, I mean, I just didn't have nothing. And at one point it was the middle of winter. I still remember this. It was like winter. And I started trying to get across the street by myself. And I got about halfway across the street, right into the middle of the, the you know, the, the two way. And I had to stop. I just stopped. I couldn't take one more step. And I stood there, and there's cars. You know, they don't give a shit. They don't care. Especially and in that neighborhood. No, they certainly don't. But they, <laughs> this, this guy was sitting in the waiting room of the occupational therapy. And there's like the, for people that don't know, it's kind of like rounded. And yeah. it has those like glass, at least it used to have those little glass square things. Yep. That you can't see real well out of, but you can sort of see what's going on. And he must have noticed me just standing there stuck in the street. And he came out, you know, and he didn't know me from anybody. And he wasn't a doctor. He was a guy. He was a guy that was in there himself getting worked on for like a knee or something. And he comes out and he goes, you okay? And I literally said to him, no. I was like, no, I can't get across this, this road. And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, you can. 
and he took my good arm and he put it on his shoulder and he said, all right, let's go. And he didn't carry me. He made me take those steps, but he just kind of was like, for the one day, he was like my anchor to get me across. And just like you, never saw this guy again. That's awesome. But it, it, it's a cool, real story, man. It's People in general are good, and I think really? we forget that too much. I think... I think we spend way too much time watching CNN or Fox News or whatever, and they do nothing but highlight the cunts of the world. And and Lord knows <laughs> it makes us really think that everybody's an asshole. Yeah, but, but man, when true. you're in it, but when, yeah, when you're in the middle of it, you really do realize that most people. I don't want to say they're always good, but they have a good heart about them, and they have a good. They have a good intention behind them a lot of times for whatever reasons and and it's 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 nice to see when you see that's why i always try to give back with donations and books and i always donate to charities and i give percentages of all my books to charities and i've done you know wounded warrior and burn stuff with with pinball pa and with everything i do i always try to give back because i want to be for every single person, whether it was a church or this guy that I didn't know or whoever it was that helped me, I want to make sure that I give it back times a thousand. And I try to do that. I always do. So I, uh, I finally have insurance. So this is good. Uh, That's good. But I, uh, I got on my wife's insurance. Okay. Because the, this is the cheapest way for me to go. Right. Now, my wife and I have been talking about it for years. I haven't had insurance in years. Okay. And it finally hit when I got sick. And, you know, the reason I ended up at Metro is because I had no insurance. Sure. And let me tell you, when you go to a hospital and you have no insurance, the care that you get is not exactly the care that you would get if you had money yeah. coming in. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so the hospital you know, are, are, they know that you're a drain on them. Yeah. There's many a day where I spent in a, on a stretcher in the middle of a waiting room at the, at the bottom of the, the, the hospital just sitting there because they didn't have a room to put me in. And yeah. then when they did put me in a room, I sat in a room that was not a private room. It was a room that they would take a, literally, and I'm not joking. I, I'd be mm. laying there and it would be in the middle of the night and they would have some drug addict that was in handcuffs and they'd bring him into my room, lay him down on a stretcher next to me. <laughs> and the guy would be coughing and hacking and next to death. And then as soon as he sobered up, they'd come get his ass and take him out. And let right. go. And it happened numerous <laughs> nights. I'll bet. I sat in a room next to a woman that literally was just a crazy person mm-hmm. and was screaming every night. Ah! And like didn't <laughs> stop. Like never stopped screaming. It was oh just my God. stop yelling. Because she That's was crazy. Funny. Right. So, you know, when you don't have insurance, man, they, they really know how to, to, to make sure yeah. that you know you don't have insurance. No, they so, don't care finally got my wife's and I don't know why we didn't do this for like years because it's like the, all she did was add me to the family plan it's like an extra like 40 bucks right <laughs> and for all for that little bit of money I suffered through a lot of shit in the hospital because of it yeah I don't doubt it dude I'm gonna pop one quick picture up here just because I don't I, I try never to talk about this stuff without sharing this dude this is um this is this might be other than my 
my kids being born, this very well, that picture right there might be the happiest moment I've ever had in my entire life. This is my doctor, Dr. Freddie Ann, Richard Freddie Ann, who put me back together. And this is him holding my book, which to me was like the greatest accomplishment I've ever had in my entire life to be able to come back to his hospital and say, here I am. Here's what I did, you know, because of you. And man, that's a cool feeling right there, man. That's awesome, dude. You know, that's good stuff right there, man. I had a lot of doctors that did a lot of things because sure. you know, I, I don't know what the process is for taking off a leg. I can't imagine they just stick it like in a guillotine and just let it rip. No, probably not. So I don't know what, you know, I'm assuming that they have to like take your vessels and all that kind of crap and kind of sew shit together and make sure they're yeah. not bleeding all over the place and inside and all that. I, mm. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know what the process is for amputation. But so I know I had a few doctors that were working on me. But I consider myself like I'm a cancer sign, so I'm an emotional person to begin with. Okay, sure. But I try not to be overly emotional, especially in certain circumstances. I'm still a man, right? Mm -hmm. But I remember I went to the doctor to get a checkup on the actual leg. And this was maybe six months ago. Okay. And one of the doctors that worked on me when I went in that night when I was I had no idea what was going on. I went in and they had to take my leg off. But one of the doctors that worked on me right. came in. I didn't know uh, who he was or anything. The guy started talking. And I literally broke down in tears. Yeah. And he's like, what's wrong? And I remembered his voice from sitting with me in my room the day after they chopped off my leg when I actually was out of the coma. Right. And I remembered just his voice. I didn't remember what he looked like. I didn't remember any of that. Sure. Stuff. I just remembered that voice talking to me and telling me that everything was going to be all right. And he sat in my room for hours just making sure that I was okay. Mm -hmm. And when he was sitting there just talking to me, again, I didn't know what he looked like. I just heard his voice and started crying because that meant more to me than anything. Sure. My family wasn't allowed to be in there. Nobody was allowed to be in there. And I just remembered that voice talking to me and telling me that everything was going to be all right. Right. <clears throat> so those doctors, man, they are something. And they, they mean a lot to people. Oh, they do. Yeah. I, I, and they don't they don't get nearly enough credit. I mean, they get a lot of credit, obviously. And they certainly get a, a paycheck amount of money. <laughs> but um, for me, the nurses were the thing. And the doctors were great. Dr. Freddie Ann is literally my hero in life. He's my Triv. You've got, yeah. You have Triv in your life as, as your hero, mentor, et cetera. Dr. Freddie Ann is that guy for me because he took me when I was just a charred bag of meat that was dead, that was literally shocked on the table back to life. And, you know, I've been able to do so many things that I just wasn't supposed to get. You know, I mean, 69% is how much I was burned. And look it up. Look up the survival rate for, like, anything over 50%. It's like 5% or something. Might be more now because the technology's better. But back then, it was like 3 to 5% survival rate 
I mean, I was supposed to die. That was what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to just be dead and done and gone. And I've, I've been able to accomplish so many things since. Like everything I've ever accomplished has been after that. You know, whether it's writing all the books, the radio shows, the, the network, the podcasting network, Pinball PA, IT, you know, Starving Artist, the new business that I'm doing with, with Johnny. You know, it's like I have like this myriad of shit that if five people came and each of them took a piece of my story and said that was their story, you would think that you had five successful people. Yep. And I've done it all myself because of this one guy that found a way to patch me together somehow. And I don't forget it. I don't forget his work. I don't forget those nurses. You know, I've, I definitely, when I, when I got healthy enough, I went back and personally thanked every one of those nurses. And when I first published Call Me Chris, I went back and some of them didn't even live in Ohio anymore. And I had to track down where they were to send them <laughs> books. But I sent every single nurse that I had a book, you know, because that was personally autographed with something, some memory that I had of them, you know. I always try to give it back, man, because, you know, I, I don't have anything without them. I don't remember most of the people that but, but worked yours on is a, But yours is a slightly different, I mean, yours is a different scenario, man. You know, like my wife and, uh, said that, you know, when I was in intensive care here, mm -hmm. like in Broadview Heights, I was still, I was in intensive care for a little bit. And then they had to take me downtown because they couldn't do everything mm -hmm. here. But like. I was being monitored constantly by some people, and I don't know any of those people. I don't know. Well, you know, like, educate me because I don't know. Is there, like at Metro, there's a burn unit. There's the burn ward. Is there an amputee ward, or is it just surgical, that, and then you I'm go to ICU, and then you're, you know, into rehab or whatever, right? Yeah, it was pretty much like that. I don't There was no... Yeah. I mean, in fact, even when I was in therapy at <laughs> Metro, I because I had to stay there for a few weeks, and that building was on a over by the zoo, not not the okay. main campus. Yeah, and uh, they had me like on the eighth floor, and I remember getting on the elevator and looking at the, the <laughs> who was on the eighth floor. Sure, and it was like brain trauma people. <laughs> Why are they sticking me on the floor? <laughs> With brain trauma, I was like the only amputee up there. Like, right. I, my dad said, "Well, why don't you make friends with some of the other people that are up there with you?" And I was like, "Because they're all have brain trauma. They don't know what the hell is going on." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, some well, of the therapy they had me doing was like put this puzzle together, and it was a puzzle literally for like second graders. Right. I'm like. Okay, I lost my leg. I didn't lose my yeah, exactly. mind. Now, if you want like, you to put it together with your toe or something, now you're talking. Right. But <laughs> like I'm sitting there putting together this puzzle that has like drafts on it, and, like big pieces like the size of like right. This. Like, all right, I understand six how to pieces put in the whole puzzle. A puzzle together, yeah, that's what it was. And I'm like, like you're gonna time me on how to put together a 24 piece puzzle, right? Of animals, but. I mean, so it was a weird thing. There was no amputee ward. It was, but they just sure. stuck me up there. Sure. Well, I, I, and I think that that might be why I have such a, so much more of a connection to my docs and my nurses, because there is a burn ward, and those those people work 
specifically on that ward. Like burn, from what I understand, what I've learned, burn burns are so traumatic for nurses and doctors that very few of them stay. Like they do a rotation and then they go to something else because burns are just brutal. And, you know, so they don't have, it's not like people come into work at night, like a nursing pool, you know, people, it's not like people come into work tonight and say, okay, you're going to the burn unit and you're going to the psych ward. It's not like that. It's, it's literally, that's your job for a year or two years or whatever. So I think I probably had more of a connection because I had the same people every day. Yeah. You know, every day, every shift. Let me tell you how crazy I am though. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I'm fucking nuts sometimes. Again, you know me, I overthink everything. Sure. And so I was sitting there for a while in that damn therapy hospital and you can't go anywhere. Like I went outside one day, you know, my buddy Jake, you know, Jake, I think you've met Jake. He came up there to visit me, and he's like, are you allowed to go outside and I can smoke and stuff? I was like, I think so. But we were outside for too long that they came looking for me. Okay, yeah. And then they trapped me back up there again. And, like, I felt like they were trying to keep me there. Like, like they're never going to let me out of here. Mm-hmm. And it was weeks that I'm sitting there just going, please, God, I just want to get the hell out of here. Because I'm sitting there, what, what am I learning here at this hospital that I can't just do at home and then come yeah. back here and do and it was it was nuts, man. There was some times where you're starting to think like these nurses are <laughs> are they going to kill me overnight? Like you don't right. know what's going on. You're just it's such a weird mental screw up thing that it does well, things. And, and trapped and all of a sudden a situation. Your your family's not around. Nobody's around. It's just you, right. and you're missing out a part of you. You don't know what to do. I I've said this a bunch of times, and it is so true. There is no lonelier t- lonelier place in time than two in the morning at a hospital. Man, if you are a patient and it's two in the morning, you're begging for them to come around and take vitals. Just, just so, that, so that you can talk to somebody and say, yeah, oh, yeah. And it could be about it. Dude, I, I remember what was that show? Hill Street Blues used to play on the TV in front of me. Yeah. At two o'clock in the morning. It was like four straight hours of Hill Street Blues, which was actually a decent TV show now right. that I'm older. But <laughs> at the time, I didn't want to watch Hill Street Blues. It was that or infomercials. That's all they had on the TV. And I remember the nurses would come in to take my blood pressure, and they're always checking my my breathing because my lungs got singed pretty good from the heat of the the molten metal you know, singe the, the sack that your lungs sit in. Yeah. So they were always checking my breathing and they'd always make me put this freezing cold fucking ice thing on my face and breathe and then breathe into one of those tubes with the little ball in it thing. Oh yeah. You know, you know, to see if I had any kind of breath strength and all, you know, all this garbage. Right. And I can just remember this one, this one nurse named John would come in he was like the 3 a.m. guy, and he must have hated me because every time he'd come in, he'd be like, oh, dude, look, Hill Street Blues. You know, I'm, I'm like talking to him about stupid-ass Hill Street Blues. Like it's, A, not like a 20-year-old <laughs> show at the time. Right. And, 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 and B, like he gives a shit. He's working, you know, but he was always really cool about just kind of, 
hanging out and talking and he actually learned about the show and he'd come in and go, Oh, what is so-and-so doing on the show tonight? And, you know, just because that was what I needed and that's what he gave me back. And it's those little things. I know probably, I know this, you know, this, he probably went back to the nurse's desk as soon as he walked out of, out of the room with me, I was like, Oh, that fucking guy again. You know, <laughs> but but he didn't do it to me, which is what I needed. Yes. You know, he, he was good to me no matter what he thought afterwards. So, yeah, I had a very good connection with my, with the staff, and I'm very thankful for them. I'll never – I know a lot of people like to shit on Metro Health a ton. You'll never hear a bad word from me because I got Look, everything I was supposed to get times a 1,000. For so, the most part, I, I had great experiences there, but there were some that were not <laughs> – so great. I'll, I'll, man, sure. I'll tell you that. I mean, there are some times where in the middle of the night, these two big dudes would come in mm-hmm. and they would, you know, because I couldn't get up and go take a shower or anything like that. Sure. And so it was their job to come in and clean you up. Clean you up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and man, it was just like flinging you here, flinging you there. And then they would just walk out and it would be up to me to try pull myself back up onto this bed mm-hmm. and like it was it was no good i ripped a like a chunk of my hair out of my head trying to get back up into bed because i was like <laughs> trying to reach above me my hair got right. stuck and i just ripped it out trying to mm-hmm. pull myself back up there were some fucking nightmare scenarios that happened up there that i don't sure. wish on anybody I don't doubt it, dude. I I have a bunch of those too, man. I have like, nurses were awesome. But I think they were just orderlies that were not there to. They yeah. didn't really give a shit. What they you didn't were doing care. They were just like, all right, we got to change the thing. Roll left, roll right. Yeah. You know, jam the sheets under you and get the hell out of there. You yeah, know, I get that. Yeah, I I mean, dude, it it's tough. It's really, and and you 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 lose everything. You lose your dignity, first of all. Yes, you do. You know, there's so, some of the stuff is you just lose, man. I, yeah. I, I'll tell a horrible, horrible, horrible story. You want to talk about losing dignity? I didn't write this in the book. It was so much, but I'll tell it here. <laughs> there was a point that my system from all I was putting in my system was whatever the IV was feeding me and insure those insure boxes oh boy which are horrendous i know where this story's going (laughs) well i got completely jammed up and they were afraid i was going to get either an exploding exploding bowel or whatever because i i went like five or six days without taking a shit and they had to manually dig it out of me (laughs) there you want to talk about losing all your dignity I was literally tied Jesus on the cross style to the bed because I had surgery on both, both shoulders. So they had to hold them open so that the skin would, wouldn't heal. So I couldn't move or shift or anything. And you got one nurse pushing my legs up. The other one sticking a finger as far up my ass (laughs) as she could to dig shit out. And let me tell you five days worth of shit. That's a lot of digging. It's a lot. That's yeah. um, that's when and when you think about that kind of stuff, you're like, you're you're sitting there in that bed and you're going, again, going back to what you said earlier, is this ever going to end? Yeah, is this the new way? 
you yeah. can't see a year from then. No. All you can see is I can't even take a dump by myself. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, this is the worst, man. Yes, I, I believe me, I, I know those experiences. Yeah, it's horrible, man. <sighs> but you make it through. I made it through. You made it through. A zillion other people have made it through. We're all survivors of that shit. Amen. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. We are going to have Tony Masaccio coming up. Speaking of um, shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, Tony. Kidding. But here's the deal. We actually, should we reveal or should we just do what we're going to do? And I think we do what we're going to do, and then we can have the reveal talk with Tony. Yeah. All right. I think so that makes sense. Yeah. But it, sometimes it's cathartic to talk about this kind of stuff. Sure. May not help anybody listening, but it helps me and you. Yeah. And then there, there are certainly days where I worry, like, what's going to happen next? Of course. You know, with dude, this shit I'm, that I have, dude, it's not like I'm, I'm like, this is like, that's it. You're done. I mean, it could be the next, it could be the other one at some point. It could be, you know, it could be sure. numerous things that could go wrong. And, and I don't like thinking about it, but you do think about it. Dude, I'm 29 years since my accident. My accident was December 12th of 94. And, you know, so I've gone 29 plus years. And I still worry about you know, certain things like, you know, COVID was a big, big problem for me. Not, not that it's not a problem for everybody, but it was much worse for me because the top like 15, 20% of my lungs don't work like at all. They just don't take in air and process it or because they got this part up here got singed. Like when I, you know, I standing in front of the furnace and it blew up and all the molten hit me right there you know it just hit me and singed and the shit was 1500 degrees so even though it didn't get all the way through the muscle or into the muscle and into the bone and everything just imagine standing an inch away from 50 something that's 1500 degrees everything inside gets gets the effect of that so the tops of my lungs don't don't really work super well, which is why people probably didn't notice it at all. You may not have even noticed it at all. But from about September on, I've always had a hoodie on. Always. And it's because I got to do everything I can not to get not to get a cold, not to get pneumonia. I've had pneumonia seven times because my lungs are weak and they're always going to be weak you know, because of, because of the damage that they took. So I'm constantly, it's still 60 degrees and I'm wearing a hoodie because I got to protect myself a little bit. And that's one of the ways that I can is by always being warm. So, you know, so, I wear a hoodie because I'm fat and I like to just hide the fact that, you know, well, there's that too. That's the advantage. <laughs> that's the advantage to this thing is that I can, I can hide the fat in the, in the hoodie, but, but, you know, believe me, there's some days when it's like 63 degrees. And I'm wearing a hoodie, just dying, you know, because I'd rather just be in a T-shirt and shorts or whatever. And I'm not. But, um, you know, it's it's just one of those things. It's 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 little things that you adjust to. And I still worry about it. Twenty nine years later, man. You know, twenty nine years later, this September, I was wearing a hoodie 
It's just the way it is. You, you're constantly, it doesn't go away. It's just like anything else though, dude, your first girlfriend, your first true love girlfriend, whoever that was, you still think about her. You may not think about her as much as you did before in the same way or whatever, but every now and again, she still comes up. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. It's something that, that had an, a monumental impact on your life. It never goes away. And this is, this is always going to be the most monumental thing in your life. There's not going to be another day in your life. There's not going to be another day in my life that, that we don't think about our, our situation or the day that it happened. April 17th. Yeah. And I'm sure you thought about that day every day since then. Of course. And I still think, you know, I, 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 I know the day, I know the time, I know the, you know, how I got to the hospital. I, I remember everything right up until I went into the coma. Everything. The last things I remember, I mean, I remember when I was sitting on the couch the night before. Right. My wife had left and gone to her sister's house with our daughter. Because I was being a dick and she didn't know why I was being a dick. Right. And she thought I was just being an asshole. Didn't think there was anything medically wrong. Okay. And so she had left. And I, you know, it wasn't me, though. I wasn't me. I was yelling sure. about stuff. I don't even remember yelling. But I remember sitting on the couch and I put a plastic bag around my foot because it was bleeding. Then I don't remember anything after that until the hospital came or the ambulance came and the only thing i remember about the ambulance was they came to the house and asked me to get on a stretcher and i said well how long am i going to be gone i just remember that and they, right. the guy told me oh, we'll have you back in an hour <laughs> and i was like all right because i you know wanted to come home and relax <laughs> sure and uh no that didn't happen a month later Right. Over a month later, I was home. But that's all I remember. Then I remember the next thing I remember was like three days later, they pulled the tubes out of my throat. And I remember gasping for air. Oh, like, yeah, I remember that. That's brutal. And it was brutal. It was beyond brutal. But and gasping for air was like, mm. oh, my God. And then you and then you you feel like you're choking for what, four or five days. At least I did. It's it's definitely brutal. I think Seth froze up somehow. All right, well, Seth froze up. We're having fun here talking talking um, horror, I guess. But um, let's do this. Since Seth is obviously going to have to boot and come back, uh, I am going to go and play a little commercial, commercial, and then we'll be back. So hang out. It is the Seth Williams Show. It's me, Chris Aiken, and we will be back shortly. KRFK Radio has the best hard rock and metal on the planet. Featuring Joe Elliott, Def Leppard vocalist and host of the Joe Elliott Radio Show. Are you serious? Eddie Trunk, host of the biggest metal programs ever on radio and MTV. Charlie Kendall, creator and host of Metal Shop. For adults only. Dee Snyder, Twisted Sister vocalist and host of the House of Hair. Any questions? Ron Keel, the Metal Cowboy, 
Ron Keel Band vocalist and host of Streets of Rock and Roll and boss of this here outfit. L.A. Lloyd, host of The Rock Countdown. And here comes the best part. The Classic Metal Show with Neely and Chris Aiken. And Hairball John. Am I on the air? Together, they reach all, and I mean all, hard rock and heavy metal fans. And you can only find them all together here on KRFK Radio. Hey, we found Seth. I don't know what the hell happened. All of a sudden, my internet... You know what happened? I think I brought this up to you the other day. Cox came to fix my problems that I was having with my TV. Yeah. And so they put two wireless boxes into my house. Yeah. Instead of the wired cable boxes. Okay. And now my Wi-Fi goes out like all the time. Oh, that's <laughs> great. So they fixed one problem. TV is fine. But now the Wi-Fi goes out. You need to just get yourself a... I need to like, cancel the cable altogether. All right. You know, before we go to Tony here in a couple minutes, you yeah. know what I bought that what everybody now has to go buy? It's a what little bit that? expensive, but I needed to have one. I've wanted one since they came out. I got MetaQuest 2, not 3 yet. I got MetaQuest 2. It's those Oculus VR glasses. Okay. You have to get these. Why? What? What's so special have, about? Have you ever had VR stuff? I my my brother writes VR stuff, so I've seen it, but I don't own any. This is the most amazing experience of my entire life. Like, just for for instance, okay, you can down. We down, I downloaded Netflix onto my headset, so you can I downloaded Netflix. Okay, when you click on Netflix. It now you put the headsets on and you're looking at it. All around you, you don't see the room anymore. Now you see another room. Off to your left is a window where it shows like a mountain, like the Swiss Alps. Okay. And then you see you sit on a you're sitting on a couch now, and there's popcorn in front of you, and there's a giant screen that looks like a movie screen. Okay. Like, it's bigger than any TV that you have in your house. It looks like you're sitting in front of a movie screen, and you can choose Netflix, watch whatever movie you want to watch while you're on it. And it has a sound that comes in through the sides and everything. It is the most realistic thing you've ever seen. It's fucking amazing. No. Should I play the video? You want to see? Do they have a video? Yeah, yeah play. there's a video here. Let's see what this is about. That's what you have? Yeah. But, but it that doesn't do it justice. I mean, everything around you, it's all 360. I downloaded like a roller coaster game, right? Okay. I had to take my headset off at one point because it was too intense. It felt like I was actually <laughs> on a roller coaster. And I almost fell out of my wheelchair because I was sitting in the wheelchair doing it. And right. Like, then, like, there's another thing. Like, just to, like, they show you, like, they have a tutorial on it okay. where everything's all around you. And, again, it's all 360. Everything. You look behind you. There's stuff everywhere. And then they have a table, and you can use your hands to pick up a cartridge, put it into, like, this thing in front of you, and then you can start shooting a gun. It is the most realistic, coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Nice. I'm sure before too long, we're going to have concerts and everything else delivered that way, and I I will own it at that point. You could do it on YouTube, same thing. Right. And YouTube is amazing. You can watch our show in VR. Really? It's amazing. That might be too much. See us. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you have to. Well, this I'll is the problem. Check it out. My my wife and kid now can flip me off because I have no idea what the hell's going on around me. Right. You just so, zoned out. Because <laughs> you can't see anything. And you can't cool hear because, either, right? Because these look like headphones, right? Are these headphones? You, you, well, there's sound that comes out of it. Okay. The things that are in front of you was like controllers that you put on. Oh, okay. But the, uh, you can still hear. Okay. But I think you can buy headphones and put it on. But then you set a boundary, though. So, like, you set a boundary, like a circle around you. Okay. And so if you go out of that circle, then all of a sudden you can see everything that's around you. Like, Oh, wow. So I can see my wife, my kid, my dog, and everything once you get out of that boundary. But when you're in that boundary, everything is just, you're immersed in, like, a world. Wow. And it's realistic as hell. I mean, it's super-duper cool. I suggest getting it. And, yes, Rick, X Videos has an entire line of VR porn. Do they? Yes. Oh, well. Then I guess I'll have to look at investing well, in this. <laughs> not that I've tried, but it supposedly immerses you in the entire room. And right. it's 360, everything around you, and virtual pornography. So oh, I like that. I mean, that's terrible. I'm that's awful. Not that I even looked to awful. see what it's all about. But I have heard through the grapevine. Well, I wish to do the cat's eat food. How the fuck would I know if the cat's eat food? Going back to the porn, I just hope I think, that... I think they we'll get it later. I don't know if they need food. <laughs> Going back to the porn, I just hope that those people that are asking find like Jesus. That. Yeah, that's what I hope. My wife is going to interrupt porn talk to ask me if the cats need food. Well, yeah, she knew we were talking about pussy, and well, you know. <laughs> see, expert panel once again. Yes, yeah, we are point. an expert panel on virtual reality porn. That's right. <laughs> All right, it's time for our Tony Masaccio segment. Correct? That's that is correct, sir. So we have to see where good old Tony is going to be. Yes. Here we go. Tony Masaccio here at Flower Restaurant on 91 and Chagrin Boulevard in Moreland Hills, one of the most greatest fine dining restaurants in Northeast Ohio. They've been here about 10 years. Come on in, guys. Let me show you the place. This is one of the most wonderful restaurants that I've ever been to when I come to Italian. Besides Lillian, we have seen it for about 300 people. And fine dining from 12 o'clock until 2.30 on Monday through Friday. Open back up at 2.30 until 9 o'clock every weekday, including Saturday. They are closed on Sundays. So guys, come on in. I'm going to show you the restaurant, which we see standing in. (laughs) 
Do I have the greatest job in the world? Look at this. I've got tagliatelle bolognese. I have a Caesar salad, bronzini fish, which is a Mediterranean fish. It is a light white fish. I also have, look at the size of these carrots. Seth, you've never eaten a carrot. I'm bringing one back to you to the studio. And I also have the big ass meatball, which is their homemade beef meatball with their homemade sauce. And of course, and it's a Italian restaurant, so you get your bread, and you get your oil, and you get your cheese that goes on everything. So you gotta check this place out. Again, it is a flower restaurant. Oh, and by the way, as you can see my shirt here, it says Foxy. Remember when I was telling you when I was partying with Nick Camino from Channel 3 and I took the shirt off his back when we were drinking? Well, I took the shirt off a little John's back too. It didn't fit him anyways. Tony Masasha reporting live at Flower Restaurant. I will talk to you guys soon. And let's bring in the man of the hour, Tony Masaccio. How are you? I am great. Seth, Chris, how are you? What's now, that place looked amazing, man. It is amazing. You messed up on my logo. It's Tony. Everybody knows Tony. You got everybody loves Tony, but everybody loves Tony also. <laughs> well, everybody loves Tony, of course. <laughs> right. Especially when I talk about restaurants. Chris, what's up with the hoodie? Did you, the heat shut off? There's no heat in my, in, my, um, in my office. My <laughs> office was an... It was an add-on to my house when they built it, like 20 years after they built it. And, of course, nobody considered that it might ever get cold or warm in here. So oh, there's no climate funny. control. <laughs> you look like the broadcasting Unabomber. That's right. <laughs> I saw a couple of people saying I look like the the emperor in the Star Wars movies. Uh, yeah, yes, you do. That's funny. All right. Uh, so, do you know somebody named India? I do, yes. She's one of my listeners, my radio listeners. Oh, oh so Tony is, is my white brother from another mother. Oh, that's so funny. She is a great listener on my 1490 WERA Flashpoint. You can tune in every Saturday morning. I have listeners that, you know, every color, every creed, every li every religion on that show. So I am, <laughs> you know, I'm the only white Italian Catholic Jew on an all-black-owned radio station. I've got it covered. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a large audience, which is kind of cool. That's so, cool. actually, yeah, all, the reason why I have a large audience is because of Ed Flash Parents. I mean, here's a guy, and again, we're we're like minuscule of being in the broadcasting industry from a guy who was on it for 50 years. It just you can't even fathom that. Yeah, it's um, crazy. You, you know, and speaking about it, it's like Big Chuck and Little John. As a matter of fact, Little John's birthday is this Friday, the 19th. So make sure you send a text to him. So oh, really? I believe, believe he's going to be 78 years old. Wow. Wow. And he looks and he, not a day over he, 30, man. That guy uh, doesn't you, age. He, he doesn't age. And, he, you know, and when I go out to eat and drink with him, he can still drink a bottle of Kettle One any evening that we go out and drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I love that and, guy. One of my favorite memories is having uh, dinner with uh, you, Triv, and little John and his wife were there. Yes. And we ate downtown at uh, Colin Hubbard. Colin Hubbard, yeah. That yes. Was, it was a great time. It really was. The, the bill was $600. <sighs> Isn't that insane? 
I remember getting mushroom soup there, and it actually tasted like the mushrooms came out of the ground, not the mushroom <laughs> soup you get out of like Campbell's. <laughs> it was, it was good. So, the best part about that night, Tone, was I went outside to smoke with, with Triv, right? Mm-hmm. And this homeless guy comes up and asks Triv for a, a cigarette. Oh, that's And funny. then he goes, Triv, I have to tell you, I listen to you every day. Like you're pushing a shopping cart and you're homeless. How do you listen to trip every day? <laughs> but sure as shit, he had a radio in his shopping cart oh, and listened to trip on every day. And I, you know, I wanted to thank it, him. He didn't count the ratings. You know, that's a great example <laughs> to show you that you don't know who's listening no. to us, who's right? watching us. And you know, it's and I told that story where people obviously have a very distinctive voice and they recognize my voice wherever I'm at. Yep. And you know what? And that's kind of cool because your audience gets larger and larger because they turn somebody onto somebody, and mm-hmm. that's how the and that's how it builds. Just you know, no different than a Trivisano show. So yeah. So and how is Flower? Flower is an unbelievable restaurant. So it besides Little Italy, Mia Bella, Trattoria's, Gorino's, this restaurant actually Paul Manillo owned Washington Place, and he owned Baricelli Inn, one of the first restaurants on Cornell and Murray Hill Road, and I am talking like in the late 70s. So he opens up this restaurant with Matt Matteo, who is another great chef, and this was about 10 years ago, and this was a hit, and they know it was going to be a hit because that area is very wealthy. You're looking at Pepper Pike, Beechwood, Beechwood, um, University Heights, um, again, Moreland Hill, it's, it's, a, it's the most wealthiest area in, in Cleveland. So that meal that I had in front of you that I just showed you was about $206. Huh. Oh, it's really not that bad. That's not bad. No, again, the fish was $40. The Franzina was $40 alone. Yeah. So, um, and they're, they're one of my window cleaning customers. So obviously they're friends of mine and they're a great, and they've been a great customer for all those years. I got to sure. try that. Is it, that one dish, I can't remember what it was. It was like the, it looked like the pasta Tag, they had in front Tag, of Tagliatelle Bolognese. That looked, you know, easy. that's my, it's my go-to dinner there. Sure. It's one. What's all in that? So it is pasta, ground beef, and then there's cheese and a little bit of cream and, it's their homemade sauce, which is what makes it. Wow. So as so as an Italian, I make my own sauce, and you know, it, it's like any other ethnic restaurant. It's you're always critical when you walk into a place because you never know what the sauce is going to be. You know, whether it be paprikash or you know a, a, any ethnic restaurant, whether it be Indian or Chinese, and they'll tell you in every you know every ethnicity will tell you that. Sure, so, Tony. What is it about this area? That I, I mean, we have, as you point out every week, we have so many excellent, excellent restaurants in the in the area. But being honest, that wouldn't matter at all unless, unless the people were going to them. What is it about this area that people are so willing to continually go out and support restaurants and try different restaurants and try different foods? You know, you know, there's a couple answers there, Chris. First of all, it's the experience, it's the service. It's the cost. And now the means of going out to eat today are our entertainment. You're like, you know, again, you're watching Netflix at home. You know, you're, unless you, a brand new movie comes out or you go into the movie theater and look what's happening. I mean, it's a cold night here in 
Cleveland in the winter, mm-hmm. or in the spring or in the fall, you're actually sitting on a patio. Any given restaurant throughout the suburbs or downtown or, you know, wherever. And what's happening now is, again, this is our, this, this is our way of uh, going out, meeting people, and spending our extra income, our disposable income, right. is going out to eat. And I got to tell you, so last night, that, this is a great question because I was at Flower, and again, it's a very expensive Italian restaurant. Again, it's not really that expensive. I mean, it's you know more expensive than your little uh, pizza shop that you're going to in a suburb that you right, that you frequent. Sure. But on a Tuesday evening, again, it was cold last night. They were still so busy. They have a half off on wine every Tuesday night. So you're getting $40 bottles of wine, $50 bottles of wine, which half the cost. And a lot of those people are, guess what? I always say that they don't have a kitchen. They just right. go out to eat every night. All right, so Which, which is good. Not, now, there's going to be a bill that voters are going to vote on here in Ohio. And it is to get rid of uh, the tipping service industry. And so what they want to do is get rid of, you know, tips for waiters and waitresses and all that kind of stuff. They're going to include a gratuity of some sort into your bill. And then they're going to have to pay the waiters and waitresses and stuff uh, higher salaries. Now, that, I think, is going to destroy a lot of restaurants. You know, Seth, so there's a double-edged sword on that bill, and I agree with you. So, you know, you have restaurants right now where you were a server years ago, and you were based on your performance. So you got yeah. tipped individually, and you were in the restaurant industry. You got tipped on that individual service that you gave that patron. Now, again, most of these restaurants, they split the tips. So, again, I, I mean, how high are they going to pay them? And how high is the gratuity going to come? So in, in it's uh, a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because so, a lot of people that, okay, so let's say LeBron James doesn't pay a tip, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as we well know, some of the wealthy are not, and let's say he tips, but not that 20%, which they always talk about. So guess what? Where's that going to come from then? I mean, is it going to come from the owner of the restaurant? So what happens now? The cost of the bill is going to be higher. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's all it comes down to. You know, just like with this um, minimum wage, you know, it, minimum wage. And I just I was just actually in the chat this morning where I saw McDonald's was like thirteen dollars to start. Yeah. What's minimum wage? Minimum wage was it 11, 10, 11 dollars. So mm-hmm. they're paying them a couple dollars more if they go to 15, 16, 17 dollars an hour. Dead fish sandwich is going to be ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, and, and they already are in a lot, a lot of these fast food places. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, I guess like in Washington D.C., they've already started doing it, and, and the restaurant industry is dying because nobody wants to go out to eat anymore. And the restaurants, like a small mom and pop joint, like some of the places around here, like the family style restaurants, they're not going to be able to do that kind of thing. They're going to just go out of business because they're not going to be able to afford to pay all these kids that are waiters and waitresses ten dollars an hour. And that's going to be insane. You know what? And that's the whole idea of tipping. Tipping actually started in Europe where they had a bowl in the restaurant. And what happened was the wealthy would put money in that bowl to make sure that they got better service. Sure. That's how it started. And guess what? It worked. So Mm -hmm. you're attentive to that customer that walks in the door. 
And of course, you're going to make sure that they're taken care of. They're giving you a great experience. And to answer your question, Chris, that's why we go out to eat. Because yeah. you want to be able to sit down, get a great meal, have wonderful service, and come back, which is the most important part. Because you want to make sure you have that repeat customer. I always said, you can go in a restaurant 10 times. It's your famous restaurant. You love this place. The 11th time you go back to that restaurant and you don't have the greatest service, the meal wasn't so good. Now it's the worst freaking restaurant you've ever yep. been in. You're never going back. You tell all your friends, don't even go there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hate to say this, but that's what happens. So I yep. always tell people, give them another chance. We're all human. Something can happen. So with that being said, my Burger King stock has gone down. I don't know if you guys seen the stock market. It's not the greatest last couple of days. So Seth, you've got to start eating fast food again. My Burger <laughs> King stock is going to fucking. <laughs> I'll see what I can do, Tony. I'll help you out. Well, Tony, we appreciate it, my man. It's always fun. So this Saturday, I am going to be at Southeast Harley-Davidson. They have a diner right inside the place. They've been there for 40 years. Great breakfast, great burgers. Everyone forgets about the little place that's in Bedford Heights. It's right inside the motorcycle shop. You know, I, um, I had lunch with there. The Flat Earth guy. I had lunch with the Flat Earth guy at, at wow. the diner at the uh, Harley-Davidson shop. Great yes. place. Yeah, nice. it is really a great place. It's a true little diner. So, again, I'll be there Saturday morning, and you can tune me in every Saturday on Flashpoint 1490WERE between 10 o'clock and 11. One more thing. I was um, – Art McCoy is on our station between yeah. 5 o'clock and 7, okay? okay? And he got on the radio, thanks to Mike Trivisano, just like I did, as a caller. And, of course, you know, Black on Black Crime is really how he got his uh, oh, yeah. popularity, sure. if you will. So he just, Chris, and I didn't know this, that you wrote a book. Art McCoy just wrote a book. Okay. I didn't know he could read, let alone write a book. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I'm going, I'm, a, so I'm actually going to say a speech at his uh, art, his, he's going to have a book signing. There's going to be one in Finley, which I'm not going to go that far. He's having another couple in Cleveland. So I'll oh. make sure that uh, you guys find out when you do that. Let and, me I know. Gotta, and I got to have him come on. Tell him to come on here and promote. You, yeah, you I'll put what? him on the show. Let's, let's make it happen. Absolutely. Okay. And you know what? And I got to write a book, too. The only problem is if I write a book, I got to change all the names of my friends because they'll be going to jail. <laughs> Tony Masashi reporting for the Thanks, show. I will talk to you guys next week. Talk all to right, you. Tony. Uh, Take care, bud. There goes Tony. Well, that worked. I think we've. Finally got that worked out, man. Yes, that was that was great. <laughs> that worked out well. I like doing it that way. Yes, yes. We have to get Art McCoy on. That is an absolute must. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Have you ever heard that guy? Yes. Oh yeah. He, he's like a cartoon character. I know. He's he's fantastic. He's the best. So we got to get Art on. I, I no do. That would be so much fun. That would be a lot of fun. And I'm happy that we have a new listener in India. There we go. India and not your family, in India, the country, but in yeah, no, our new India, listener is India. India, as in yes, India. India is our new listener. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we do have a new listener in India. We don't know. I'm just asking you a question. That's what he used to say all the time. 
to Trev. Yeah. And Trev would play that soundbite all the time. <laughs> all right, man. Well, it's been fun tonight. Yeah, this is fun. Interesting this is talk. Considering neither of us had an idea 30 seconds before we were going to, we went on, it went pretty quick. No, but I, I before we get out, I got to play this one clip one, once again. Hey, okay. Let's play this real quick. Because this is how stupid, and people believe the media. Yeah, yeah. I know. Coach, you, you. Uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't. Um, no, nothing planned. We're we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for twenty seconds, getting off the bus, going under the thing. So we'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> there's a person, a medium, another media member that did her job real well before that press conference. The question is, is she still employed? Oh, I'm sure she is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening tonight. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks to Tony for a great segment tonight. Yeah, loved it. And thank you, Chris, as usual. So, God Absolutely. willing, we'll talk to you again on Monday. Yes, sir. All right. Everybody, have a great rest of the weekend, a good weekend. Stay safe. See ya. See ya.